0: We'll go through several revisions and we'll we'll usually meet somewhere in the middle, which is usually in, in my opinion the right the right place for the character um, because now like they they've created them in text and in writing and in thought where my job is to be the visual side of things. so then as I'm helping them create their their uh, character, I, I, get, I get to kind of help be part of that narrative now and, and usually we'll find something pretty pretty awesome right in the middle.
1: That's Adam Manoa, I'm Greg Baird, you're listening to the Photo Gregor Podcast. Okay, so this episode was supposed to have been recorded in November of 2020, but I came down with COVID, everything's fine now but I definitely did not have the best um, November. I was fine by Thanksgiving, but uh, I'm so glad that Adam was able to postpone this interview with me and I'm happy that it came out the way it did. In this episode, we'll ask you to go to his website to watch him create art while we talk. That way you have a visual. I think he, his art is fascinating. He's a he's a great character artist as well as a realistic artist. It's just fascinating. Anyway, go to his website. I'll give you a little, uh, we'll talk about it in the episode, but I'll give you his website now. It's adammanoa.com, A-D-A-M-M-U-N-O-A.com. And the intention is that you would watch him create art in his time lapse, vi- lapse videos and stuff as you listen to this episode. Anyway, here's Adam. I am so happy he was on the show, and uh, this is what we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Welcome back to the Photo Gregor Podcast. I'm here with Adam Manoa. Is that how you say it, Adam? Yep. Adam Manoa. Um, this is a little uh, different of a podcast. Usually I tell you how to find my people online after we've talked and after you've gotten to know them a little bit, but this time's a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to go to some of his sites Um on the way in, because Adam is a fantastic illustrator, and you're gonna to want to watch his uh, time-lapse drawings while I chat with him. He's a fascinating artist. Um, we're gonna talk about that. And welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You're welcome, Adam. How do we How do we find you online? Where should we go first?
0: So I would start out at my website, which is adammanoa.com. So A D A M. M-U-N-O-A dot And that's that's my professional website. And then social media um, on Instagram. If you search at M-U-N-O-A one three, that'll take you right to all my artwork.
1: And I believe that's your YouTube as well. m u m u Oh, my gosh. You say it. M-U-N-O-A. It's only five letters. Craig. <laughs> one three. <laughs> OK, so let me just start by asking you, what is. When you set out to draw a character, what is it you're looking to create? How do you, uh, are you trying to create an emotion for your audience? What are you trying to do?
0: Um, that's a great question. I think when I set out to do illustrations, a lot of times it depends on um, what the narrative is. So if it's a client, usually they'll, they'll explain to me, like, this is what we're looking for. This is the character. This is the situation that they're going to be in. Um, this is where they're from this is what they do this is their leisure activities and so they give me this whole laundry list of uh, character um, descriptions and then it's my job to kind of figure out visually what that person looks like so for instance if I'm drawing a little girl that's a little you know more of a tomboy and you know she loves to ride BMX bikes and she's a daydreamer you know so I'll, I'll kind of like in my mind I'll think of if a girl is more into like getting dirty and jumping her bike, you know, she's gonna be less, you know, prim and taken care of, you know, she's, she's, she's more about the adventure than she is about um, taking care of herself visually, usually. So I'll, 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 take a lot of those things into, uh, into consideration. Um, right now I'm working on kind of two interesting projects where the characters I'm designing are actually based off people, but they're going to be used for animation. So. Um, for instance, I'm taking these these one guys who are professional athletes, and I'm kind of caric- caricaturing them in a way that is you no. Know, it's not necessarily like going for that likeness, but it's going for that Saturday morning cartoon feel of that person. So there's key features like their hair and maybe their body build and you know a, a, f- a few other key assets that will help them to kind of capture the spirit of who that person is without necessarily doing like a direct
1: copy of who that person looks like so it's almost like visual psychology yeah so uh, how specific do your clients get when they when they when they give you a list of attributes for for a character how how specific do they get
0: you know some um are very specific and they they want a, a certain thing um and they'll art direct you quite a bit and then others you know they kind of hire me for me if that makes sense And they'll just kind of cut me loose like saying like look here's here's the narrative just show us what that looks like you know and they may have a certain look in their head of what that person looks like but then i'll go and do something that's what i see in my mind and then a lot of times what we'll do is we'll go through several revisions and we'll we'll usually meet somewhere in the middle which is usually, in in my opinion the right the right place for the character um because now, like they, they've created them in text and in writing and in thought, where my job is to be the visual side of things. So then, as I'm helping them create their, their uh, character, I, I get, I get to kind of help be part of that narrative now, and and usually
1: we'll find something pretty, pretty awesome right in the middle. Yeah, that's that's cool. That collaboration, that's, that's the kind of thing that makes me. Uh enjoy art and art production is, is that you work with together with someone and you create something beautiful. It's cool.
0: Yeah. I love it.
1: Okay. So how did you get started? I mean, like, does this go back to your elementary days, your junior high, high school? Where, how far back do you, are you drawing?
0: Um, so I can tell you the story if you want to hear it. Cause I, I, I remember my first
1: drawing. Yeah. I've, yes. I've got time. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if we do the Wayne's world, like and go back, um, You know back to i think it was 1984 um, i was in kindergarten um, and my teacher mrs wood it was it was the holiday season um, we were designing christmas tree countdown chains so we'd have this christmas tree that we decorated and then we had little chains that we or rings that we'd tear off every day until christmas and so while we're making these things she's having us draw on each chain to uh to make it something and so here's little five-year-old Adam and he's sitting there drawing and at the time um Masters of the Universe was a big um deal and all right yeah (laughs) and so I I loved the cartoons I loved the action figures loved everything He-Man and um and I met in fact the funny thing is I was a thumb sucker and my mom rather than like the only thing that like she could use as collateral to kind of get me to stop sucking my thumb was the promise that she would buy me some He-Man action figures if I stopped.
1: Ooh, so okay. Motivation. Yeah. So she
0: told me, my mom told me that she would create, or she would give me some He-Man action figures if I stopped sucking my thumb. So, and I stopped. I mean, I I think I went cold turkey where all of a sudden I was like, all right, He-Man is my guy and I'm down for it. And I got the, I remember it was the battle damage He-Man, where if he hit his chest, it would, um, different levels of damage would happen so they had this little wheel on this chest that would spin and it'd start out all fresh and clean and then as you kept bumping it it would get more and more scarred and and whatever. so it was a, it was a cool toy
1: I remember i remember <laughs> that's a I remember that one because one of the kids at school got it and nobody else did and he, you know we we broke it the first day he brought it to school I mean but that was that was an important toy I mean that was a big one
0: yeah well the funny thing is is I remember getting him and I chucked him up in the air and he landed, and his arm broke off. And I was so devastated because those ones are made of that cheap plastic, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I I broke it within maybe a week of having <laughs> him. You know, like I I love my toys, but I wasn't I wasn't nice to him.
1: Well, at least he still had muscles, arm or no arm. Those that arm had a muscle still.
0: I think my parents super glued it back together or something, if I remember right. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're we're in we're in class, and Mrs. Woods asked us to decorate our trees, and I remember grabbing some crowns. And I said, well, He-Man, all right. So I, I remember drawing He-Man. And in my five-year-old mind, or f- yeah, I was five, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I have just drawn He-Man. And like it was like this this aha moment. And all of a sudden it was like, I remember drawing circles for the arms and for the muscles, you know, and just being just blown away at what I discovered. <clears throat> and it seemed from that point on, I just loved to draw and i would be drawing all the time i would be drawing in school on my homework i'd be drawing uh, in church i'd be drawing when i got home from school all that kind of stuff and you know my mom and dad i I thought it was funny but my siblings were taking piano lessons and all these things and they just kind of fostered my drawing and um you know as i got older they they put me in some uh, like i was i took high school classes i took middle school classes um and then when I was, I can't remember if I was 16 or 17, but we had a a former Disney animator move into the city next to us. And he took out an ad in the paper saying that he was opening a studio where he was going to teach um, up-and-coming artists how to draw in kind of a Disney style. Okay, cool. And so my buddy Justin and I um, applied. We brought our portfolios. I remember going over to his house, which had his home studio um, detached from it. And we showed him our portfolios, and he accepted us and we then you know like some kids go to baseball or soccer practice we were to go to his studio several times a week and draw for hours and hours and they would correct us they would walk around the studio and if we weren't drawing a an eye correctly or a shape correctly they would they would correct us and we had a it was pretty rigorous but they really taught us how to see and uh, what we would do in that class is he would he had a a vast collection of disney memorabilia and books and so we would do master copies of disney illustrations and so we would pick we'd go through the books find an illustration that we wanted to recreate and he would walk us through the whole process of sketching it out getting it right getting the perspective right um, and then move on to color it and we weren't doing paint at the time he actually had us doing it all in prism color but the technique he taught us made it actually look like acrylic or like gouache, which was looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, you know, that was pretty cool. But knowing what I know now about art, it would have been like a thousand times faster just to paint it rather than to use a colored pencil <laughs> and color the whole thing. But
1: Do you think that helps to, to do it the slow way?
0: Um, yes and no. Um, the, the, the thing with colored pencils is that you get really reliant on a hard edge. Um, so like the pencil edge, you know, and so you, you get really comfortable with that. But then when you switch to paints, you have a brush oh, and okay. so operating it is not the same as a pencil. So there's a little bit of a growing um, standpoint. So it's, you kind of got to embrace the brush, if you will, and just realize it won't do what a pencil can do. Like a pencil can give you a really tight, um, hard edge or a brush for the most part, is not going to give you that same type of an edge you can get you know really sharp um lines and things like that with a brush but it's it's a different it's a different process than how you would uh operate a pencil
1: okay so i i know that at that time while you were in high school at least you were also uh, were you a professional athlete or a, or a a semi pro athlete how would you describe that
0: i would say i was a semi pro up and coming guy so in what sport in uh inline skating Cool. And and so you travel? I did. So I would travel to competitions on the weekends. My dad and you know, would drive us and then when I got old enough to the, to drive myself I would I would drive myself to things. But he was my biggest supporter, so he would always he'd always come to him if he could.
1: Yeah, and you still skate, right?
0: I do. You know, 40, 41, almost forty two and I, I still do it.
1: <laughs> and you still break your ankle too. <laughs>
0: yep. In fact um, I don't heal as fast as I used to.
1: No doubt. Um, so I mean, that sounds like a high schooler's dream, you know, it is like, you've got this gig where you're traveling around, uh, competing in a, in a sport and you're also drawing all the time. Is, is, uh, is it, is it as good as it sounds or were there trouble too? I
0: honestly, I have no regrets. I loved everything about it. In fact, it's hard now. I mean, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I, I don't remember really doing homework all that much. Because I would I would get out of school, and I would meet up with my friends, and we would go hit the streets or go to the like a park or we would you know arrange something. So we were we were constantly um, on the move, you know, the weekends, and we eat, slept, and drank this stuff like crazy. So we were we were constantly going down to San Diego or up to Huntington Beach or LA or over to Venice Beach or or wherever we could, wherever we we're going to meet up for you know whatever competition or whatever spot we wanted to film and uh yeah it was it was a, a super fun childhood
1: <laughs> yeah well and obviously you got good enough grades or you would have probably not got those opportunities well you
0: want to you want to hear a funny story about graduation sure so my mom was an educator um she taught kindergarten fourth grade and a couple of the grades i can't remember what but anyway so she was linked into the the system and so if i was failing in a class, those teachers knew they could call my mom, and my mom would come and, you know, get on my case about certain things. And I remember being a senior in high school, and I was a TA for my high school art teacher, and I've had her since I was a freshman, and her name is, was uh, Vicki Corancio. and she was a huge influence on me, and I, I can talk about that in a minute, but I was I was her TA as a senior, and I remember my girlfriend at the time, she had a different lunch period than me, and it happened to fall upon when my um my class was with Mrs. Carancio when I would be her, her assistant
1: i see where this is going uh-huh and so
0: <laughs> but i was still as part of the ta thing is i would help her grade and i would help her or get organized and but i also had assignments that i was supposed to do and i kind of just didn't do them and she she calls my mom with about 2 maybe 3 weeks left before graduation and she's like he's failing right now <laughs> And he won't graduate unless he passes this class. Because my senior year was pretty lax, like a lot of seniors. Sure. I had English, and I think I had a math class. And that was that was really it. The rest were all electives. And so my mom talked to Mr. Carranchio, and they worked out a deal. And I basically had to do three months of work in three weeks. <laughs> and uh, and I still would sneak out to go skating occasionally, you know, because my mom would work. Same thing with my dad. She'd come home from school. But I had to be home at a certain time, working um, at the house on schoolwork, but it was it was art of all things that was putting me in jeopardy of actually graduating.
1: That's <laughs> the irony, right? <laughs> that's I, the definition, right?
0: I tell my students that and they they laugh about it.
1: All right, so so you talked about her being an influence. How so? I mean, what what did she do that helped you progress as an artist? Um, and I I guess I'd call you a performer as well because that's you know that's there's something about what you do that speaks to me as, a, as an audience member, like like a performance does. Anyway, what, what did she do for you?
0: So um, I had her as a, as a freshman, and I remember coming into her class, and she was very over the top, and she would kind of sing as she talked, and just, you know, just just an awesome lady. At the time, though, I didn't know, like, what an influence she'd be in my life. But, uh, but anyway, she would sing and talk, and she would teach us art history, and we would explore different mediums. But one thing that she got approved through the district or the state, I can't remember what it was, it was a was a cartooning class. And she let us know that she was going to be teaching it the that year or something like that. And so I found out about this cartooning class, and I took it. And all of a sudden, she taught us how to tell stories through humor. She taught us how to ink, you know, a drawing. So we would draw it in pencil, and then she taught us how to take, go over it with ink and and you know, make it permanent and, and, uh, but just a lot of really fun projects, a lot of techniques that I, I started out using in in her class that I still use to this day, or at least are, they're a, a byproduct of, of those, um, formative years in her class. But yeah, I just remember her teaching us how to tell stories and how to, um, kind of push expression and exaggerate things and, and, uh, yeah i mean i i always when i took that class and when i was taking that other class from that disney guy i just knew that this is what i wanted to do with my career and uh so yeah i mean mrs crunchio vicky she she was just an absolute um you know perfect mentor at the right time for me um kind of tr- trying to figure out like what my identity was as a as a young teenager
1: cool now it sounds like uh you know her on an adult level now. Do you still keep in touch with her?
0: You know, it's it's been a few years. I think when I finished college, I reached back out to her and kind of let her know where I was, uh, where I was at and what I was starting to do professionally. And she was just tickled pink, but she had some of my cousins in her class as well. And so they were kind of keeping her up to date of what I was doing. Um, so we, we always saw each other kind of had some type of loose connection but um, shortly after I graduated college, she retired, and I think she moved down to Mexico of all places and has like a chateau down there. And
1: <laughs> you know that doesn't that doesn't sound bad at all.
0: Yeah, well, you take that teacher's salary and that that um, retirement and take it down
1: to Mexico, and it's you know yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all, especially after you sell a house in California. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you make the jump from there? I mean, you talked about college and high school a little bit. I'm sure you progressed some in college, but where? How do you make the jump to professional from there?
0: Um. So after high school, after I graduated, I did. I did pull it off. I have pictures of me at the the ceremony. It was amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people walk. It's that paper that matters, though. Yeah,
0: and it, you know what? My mom. She's been downsizing her house, and she just dropped off my my high school diploma not too long ago. And I was like,
1: whoa, oh, it's real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was faking.
0: So so high school happens. And shortly after I graduated, my parents um, came and told me that they're actually going to be moving to Utah. And I was kind of like, well, see you later. I'm, I'm a California kid. This is where I'm going to stay. And, you know, best of luck to you. And I was, you know, cocky 18-year-old kid and didn't know where I was going to live, didn't know how I was going to eat, didn't know, you know. I mean, I had a job at a skate shop, which was kind of cool. And, uh, but but I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do, you know. And um, and so my parents move up here. My dad worked in TV and production his whole career. He, he would do video production. And, and, um, and anyways, at the time, he was working at a motion picture studio in Nashville City called Foursquare Motion Pictures. And BYU had called uh, my uncle, who was a producer there. And they were trying to get my uncle to come up to the Y and, and teach some classes on production and kind of how to, um, you know, work in a TV and entertainment environment and John wasn't ready to move up at the time but he he said well why don't you talk to my brother Phil um, I think he'd be a great fit for what you're doing and so um, they called my dad and you know pitched the job to him and one of the perks was my mom could go to school for free and at the time she was looking to get her master's degree because in California it's kind of like this natural progression where you've got to continue to your education um, to, advance in your in your career so they they said okay we're going to go up to utah for you know three to five years and then we're coming back and my dad came up started working for the kbyu and started teaching there and started teaching in the thing and fell in love with it my mom got her master's she fell in love with it and then my siblings all graduated from high school up here and my parents fell in love with utah and then they just kind of made it their life's mission to get me to go from southern california to come up to utah and uh that, that's a story in and of itself <laughs> but um
1: <laughs> that's a tough sell honestly. yeah honestly
0: well and i i love snowboarding too at the time and so utah just california snow there's there's no comparison to, to utah snow and we would drive two and a half three hours from san diego all the way up to big bear to go to a riding and it was just you know interesting to say the least but um Going back to high school, they so they they told me they were gonna leave and come up here, and I was okay with that. And I ended up getting a room um at a friend's house. So he, he had just gotten married, and he and his wife had a had a modest house that they were gonna rent out some rooms to help cover their mortgage or their costs or whatever. And so I rented a room from them and stayed with them for I think about a year or so. And uh, just kind of worked and did things and hung out and whatever. And, but I was also missing my family at the time. And I, I think I went to see them once or twice during that year. And, and they were still coming down to California peri- periodically. And uh, anyways, I, I kind of spent the next couple of years just kind of doing my thing and kind of wandering. And and uh, anyways, I ended up like being inspired to to serve an LDS mission. And, uh, so I was about 20 at the time, almost 21. And I just realized like, look, you're, you're skating every day. You're working at a job that you like, but it's not really doing anything for you. And, uh, anyways, there was, there's a bunch of events that kind of fell into place where I'm like, all right, I think this is the time that I need to kind of make some, uh, some adjustments. So where do, where did they send you? So it's kind of funny. So I, I remember... Being ready, you know, it's like this. Once again, this cocky, now twenty-year-old kid, and I'm like, all right, God, here's here's the deal. I'm uh, I'm ready to serve. Here's here's my my demands.
1: <laughs> here's and, my demands. Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't really say it like that, but this is what I told him. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I want to go someplace warm, and I want to speak English. And he sent me to to Lansing, Michigan. Sweet. So it was basically like the Siberia of the United States, though. So I'd come from like a warm. You know, 70, 75 degree average temperature to all of a sudden, you know, minus 50 in the wind. And,
1: and, uh, hey, what if I have, what if I have listeners in Lansing?
0: I love it out there. Okay. I, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite places and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. But, uh, I remember going to Michigan or getting ready and be like, okay, well, I can't get ready to go and do what I need to do in California living where I'm living. And I'd since I lived in with my cousin as a roommate, we had a cabin up in Big Bear and I had another roommate, you know, that we, we shared a house together. So I kind of bounced around after Corbin Morgan, but I but I, I figured that I needed to move kind of away from all that to uh, to get ready, both, you know, mentally, spiritually and even physically, if you if you will. And. And so I I remember calling my my mom and say hey I'm ready to come home and or move up to Utah and I, I want to go on a mission and I I think you know she must have fainted in the kitchen or whatever but uh I decided to pack up all my belongings and my little Honda Civic and drive up to Utah and and yeah then I I start, I kind of started a new um a new journey where I told sponsors and I told you know people that I had commitments to that I was I was moving and this is what I was going to do and and to be honest, I didn't see a lot of backlash or a lot of negativity with it. Um, it was actually mostly positive vibes, which I was pretty stoked on as a, you know, kind of a free-spirited kid. Um, but yeah, I moved up to Utah and kind of started the whole process and got my mission call to, to Lansing and um, yeah, it was it was pretty, it was an amazing experience and I have a deep love for the people of Michigan and actually got to take my family out there, uh, Last summer before the, not well, not last summer but two years ago, uh, the summer before the pandemic, and so I got to introduce him to a bunch of people and show him around, and it was great. It was it was one of the the highlights of my life, you know, more so than skating or even art, you know.
1: Yeah. So I I I served a mission too. I didn't want to I didn't want to hit that too much as like a religious thing, but, yeah. uh, but but let's talk about how formative that may have been for what was next. I mean, you obviously went to college. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming you went to college, Yeah. Um, but that, that springboarded you into college and a career in art. Mm-hmm. And and that's how I know you other than that. Our kids play on the same football team. Yeah. Uh, so maybe talk about some of the formative things that happened on your mission that led you where you are. And also talk about some of the breaks and some of the um circumstances that led to led you to where you're at now. Okay.
0: Um, so the mission was interesting because once again, I, I, I told my mom earlier on when I was a teenager that I wanted to go for me and not for anyone else. And so it had to be my decision. And so I went on the mission in the first few months, I think the adjustment months were, were tough and, and not because it was hard. I mean, it's hard, but, um, it was because I was, I was learning to, to be selfless and less selfish and kind of learn that I'm not there for myself. I'm there for other people and to kind of help them in their, their their journey, you know? And so when I was on, on the mission um, and part of the reason like kind of backtracking, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I struggled in school, um, not because I was dumb, but because I had a different style of learning, I was very visual, I, I interpreted things differently. And teachers were teaching to the, you know, they did the best they could, but they're teaching to, a, you know, a big class of a bunch of students. And, you know, and I, I, I sometimes kind of struggled with, uh, you know, memorization and things like that. So you kind of fast forward to a mission, all of a sudden I have to memorize all these scriptures, I have to, you know... Know the answers to life's questions. I have to figure out a whole bunch of things, and I became um, obsessed over it. You know, so just like with drawing, just like with skating, um, I I really dove deep into kind of um, the theology and the gospel, and and it was I actually learned how I learn on the mission. You know, I learned how to teach myself to memorize. You know, not just a paragraph, but like multiple pages of a document or, you know, I, I learned how to how to study and really learn something and, and not just cram it in to get through a test, but really internalize it and make it a part of me. So I, I spent two years studying and learning how to study and learning how to learn um, at kind of a rapid level. And I, I kind of feel like it was a blessing, um, a byproduct of, of those two years of service where I really felt like I... I I really learned how to to learn, and you know, in in high school, I struggled, and I I got enough to get by, and and to be honest, some of it was laziness, where I just I wanted to be out skating, I wanted to do stuff, but um you know, fast forward to college, I graduated uh, uh summa cum laude, and you know I got you know amazing grades, and I was dedicated, and I I worked hard, and I understood you know the sacrifice it takes to to gain knowledge. And that came from years prior of of serving, so that was that was a really cool byproduct for me, that I still am grateful for to this day.
1: Yeah, so that's super interesting because I had something similar, and I'll you know maybe just talk about it really quickly. Yeah, um, I went on my mission. Um, I had gone out thinking I was going to become an engineer when I got home hmm. my freshman year. Before I went on a mission was was uh, all math and science classes, and you know I was I was going to be an engineer, you know. I got out there and I, I oh, and by the way, my dad's an engineer, my brother's an engineer, my, my sister's an engineer. I mean this is this is what we do, right? Yeah and I got home, I, I studied Spanish on my mission, and there were there were three other regional dialects which were very different from Spanish. And I came home and I wanted to be a linguist. Wow. Like, like it completely shifted the way the the things I was learning about the language were so important and so entertaining I guess to me that that I I wanted to make a career out of it I mean I realized later that linguistics is not um, where I wanted to be I, I ended up graduating in business but that time for me was super important too because if I had just stayed in college not gone on a mission I would have I'd be an engineer and you know I don't have any problem with the idea that I could have been an engineer but I've got so many other things that that fulfill me that I can't imagine being an engineer it just doesn't suit my personality anymore so so i'd, I'd say the same thing it's a it's super formative thing and and uh lots of people do pilgrimages and you know service missions and other things uh you know in their college and high school late you know after high school years i i would say go do those things it's oh yeah it's important to your development and, and you find yourself
0: i would i would totally i do agree with that and i would say everything that i have or everything that i've been able to do over the last while is because of of that pilgrimage because of that that 2 years of service. So, um like I said just learning how to learn, you know, learning how to study, learning how to and like really internalize something was was amazing cuz I I'm still a terrible test taker, but I can learn something and I'll I'll know it through and through and through. So
1: pretty cool stuff. It seems like we've got so much left to do. I'm thinking about splitting this episode right here. Is that good for yeah, you? Yeah, sure. So that's a really good point, and uh, I, I feel it, and I think we're on the same page there. Let's have um, let's end this episode right here, and we'll come back next time and talk about um, college to professional and some of the things that, that excite you as, as, as an illustrator. Does that work for you? Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome. Next time. Thanks, Greg. So at the top of the program, I talked a little bit about am I having COVID in... Uh, November. It was not comfortable. I would say that it's not something you should worry about. Um, I'm I'm at a high-risk population as well. I've got asthma and I'm over- overweight, if you didn't know. And you know, I, I definitely would say wear your mask. Don't try to get it. We have no idea about the long-term effects. We have no idea about the short-term effects. Really, everybody has such strange symptoms. Wear your mask, social distance, be responsible. Um, this thing will pass uh, once these vaccines get distributed. Uh, anyway, I, I kind of maybe want to give you a little progression of how things went for me, just so you know, You know, this may be something you have to look forward to uh, if you get it. The first day I had it, I was taking photos at a sporting event and I felt a little lightness of breath a little short, and I felt a little short on breath, and I didn't really think anything of it. I was wearing a mask. I was in public with, in a high wind, you know how wind takes your breath away. I just really wasn't thinking about it. Um, that was on a Saturday. Sunday I had no symptoms, Monday I had no symptoms. Tuesday or Wednesday night, I didn't have any symptoms until like the afternoon, and it started to get really bad. I had a cough, and I started to feel the chills and I didn't sleep well that night I was chilled all night and you know put three blankets on didn't ever really feel warm during the night and I got tested the next day and I was feeling miserable the test came back positive a couple days later and for about the next week I felt like I had kind of a cold but it was weird sometimes I'd have dizzy symptoms other times I would have headache. sometimes i'd have a sore throat a little bit sometimes i would have aches and pains you know just all the stuff you've heard about all the milder effects that you've heard about and for the most part i just felt kind of rotten but i didn't lose any work hours fortunately, because i'm working at home and i have enough work hours saved up but i didn't need to use them because i just kind of plowed through i figured if i was going to sit In one place and stare at my computer all day while I was isolating alone in the back bedroom that I might as well get to work too because I'm gonna be staring at a computer either way and at least I don't have to take uh, my sick time off to do that and I didn't lose any hours of work and so I I was really blessed it was a really mild case my whole family ended up catching it despite me trying to isolate I, I think we probably all got it from a common source where we had passed it around to each other before before I started to exhibit symptoms, but I was first. Everybody else's cases were milder than mine. We all came through it. And by Thanksgiving, we were, (coughs) and by Thanksgiving, we were all kind of feeling a lot better. Um, You know, still though, I still have a cough and I still have some, you know, a tickle deep in my throat that makes me cough unexpectedly sometimes. and. I don't think that any of my kids or my wife have, have had any major or minor symptoms since since then but uh we were all positive and you know those who know us have been very good taking care of us calling in on us making sure that we were safe and happy and healthy anyway I, I'm very thankful uh I would still say there's no way that I'm going to work uh, against the health guidelines I think I, I don't want to catch it again I don't know what a second round will do to me I don't know what a second round would do to anybody I, I, I just think that we still need to be super responsible with, with this thing um, I don't know how wearing a mask has become political you know I, I tend to identify as more of a, a, a conservative politically although I don't agree with a lot of things that are going on on the, on the conservative side but uh, I, I, I can't understand how you would argue against good science like this. Anyway, if I lose a listener or two over that comment, that's fine. I, I really think that we should listen to the science. Quit passing around memes and other information that's verifi- verifiably false. And I really think that we need to... Work together in this country rather than just make everything an argument point. We don't need to argue about every single thing. What we do need to do is um, something I've been saying since since the pandemic began treat each other kindly, do our best to uh, lift each other up, uh, listen to each other, have a dialogue. It's okay to disagree about some things. Uh, well, most things, actually, it's okay to disagree about, but. Uh, just it's the lack of listening and the lack of empathy that really gets to me. So, anyway, that's my I guess you'd call it a rant <laughs> or or some thoughts. Uh, but you know, this is me, and I I don't want to sugarcoat that. But I do want to make sure that we all uh, know that this is not a disease you want to catch. And if you do catch it, it's nothing to be afraid of. You will probably be fine. And if you're not fine, I really feel for you and your family. But It is something that, why would you ever try to catch it and, but once you have it, you know, just do your best, manage your symptoms and, you know, stay away from people. Make sure that you try not to pass it to anyone else. That's the whole problem is that we're passing it to everybody. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. In next week's episode, I guess next time's episode, um, we're going to talk to Adam a little bit more about his journey. Um, I definitely want you to check out his websites, watch him draw some cool art while we talk, and the next episode should drop, uh, in about a week after this, uh, this first episode dropped. Anyway, join us then, and, uh, for now, take care. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being my friends. Um, yeah, I appreciate you so much. This is the Photo Photograger Podcast.